welcome to the Seeds Church Podcast. Be sure to follow and subscribe to us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and on our Apple and Spotify podcasts. We hope you enjoy this inspiring message from our Sunday service. I was reminded this week about a joke of the man who uh, rocked up at Heaven's Gates and uh, he was about to walk his way in when he was uh, accosted by St. Peter who says, uh, what qualifies you to enter heaven? You need 100 points to get through the gate. And he's like, okay, well, I was faithful to one wife for 55 years. I gave to the church 10% every week and I, I was on a welcome team for 25 years. And St. Peter says, well, that's three points. And he's like, oh my goodness, what do I, what do, I do now? So he's thinking a bit more and he's like, well, um, I served on the church council for five years. I, I helped out of the skate park. I, I did security for excess on a Friday night and, and I was part of the bread run. And he said, well, that's another four points. That's 93, uh, 93 to go. What's next? And the guy's like, Really? I'm, I'm, unless, unless the grace of God, I'm not going to get in here. And St. Peter says, That's 100 points. In you go. I'm telling you that a joke, and um, maybe you can retell it better than I can, but um, I'm telling you more about me than anybody else, actually. Because unless I stand here, unless, unless we exist in the grace of God, we have not a leg to stand on, do we? And his incredible forgiveness and his mercy towards us is just new and beautiful every single day. I'm conscious again that we are ordinary people in the hands of an extraordinary God. Amen? Amen. So today I'm going to preach some good news. I've got some great news for all of us and I hope that in the next, for the next 20 minutes you'll be deeply encouraged in what I'm talking about and where we're going as a church. Again, I want to thank Rod for his sermon last week, full of depth and insight. If you missed it, it's on our, uh, on our webpage or it's on our, our YouTube channel. And uh, in keeping with, like Rod, Rod gave me a little, probably a little bit more stick in the first service for, for giving him two words to preach on. Well, I thought, okay, I'll do the same. I've got two words to preach on this week as well. So a holy nation is what I'm going to preach on. And we continue in this, our church series, and it's designed to remind us who we are, to call us back to our roots as the people of God, into our calling, the fullness of who we are as the church. And I've said it before, and and I'll probably say it again a few more times. It's like like we are Cinderella with amnesia. We've forgotten who we are. And we've woken up to this new reality, unknowing what's going on around us and unaware of what the purpose is that God has for us. And so I want to take us into this place um, where we remember to, to get to a point where we're not 
comfortable with the new normal and we push into what God has for us and where God is leading us. You know, throughout the pages of the Bible, over and over again, God sends his servants and his prophets to remind, first of all, Israel and then the church of his holy divine calling that he has upon them. Far, to exist for far more than what we just take for granted every single day. And God wants all people to remain vital in their relationship with him and to live into the fullness of what God has planned for the church and for his people, the church. So that's where I'm taking you. I've got a couple of senior pastor announcements. Um, and as we transition now from um, into one church, multiple locations, so as we uh, work out what it is on this site to be Aberfoyle, and it's sort of almost like post-church plant, isn't it? Sort of a, in a strange way. Um, you'll see in the next couple of weeks, as our teams rotate over their, their cycle of service, you'll see gaps opening up in our teams and our service teams. And so I'm, I'm making no secret that I'm calling a whole church to serve and to, to find new ways to be enriched into what God is, wants to do in and through you. So there are some key critical areas. For instance, hospitality, um, children's and production all need your help. It's, this is really not rocket science uh, to actually step up and serve. So take, for instance... Our wonderful, our two glorious camera operators that we can turn around and have a look at them. We'll just wave to them all. There we go. Two wonderful camera operators. Now, these are the most wonderful, intelligent people that are, that are highly skilled. And you can be like that too. We can train you to operate a camera if you would so like. All you have to do, there we go, they're pointing at each other. All you have to do is take some orders from the headsets and uh, you can... You can participate in what we're doing for the wider church and for many people that have never set foot in this building. You can bless others that you will never see by being involved in these couple of areas. One critical area of our shared life that we need more help in is small group leaders. And I often get criticised for our inability to place people into small groups. Having been the one who's championed the role of small groups at Seeds, uh, our problem is that we cannot serve this ministry without more leaders. And if I was to be so blunt, we have several groups, quite a few groups, who have more leaders than they need in them. And we need them to step out of those groups and to lead other new groups. So I wonder... Is God using me to call you to lead a small group? Or is God using me to, use, to call you to serve in a new and exciting area that you've never served in before in the life of this church? Of course, with nearly 60 people sent to Corolla Park, um, there is a financial impact that uh, rolls on for the life of the church and, and I want to gently remind you, and I'm going to do it over the next few weeks, that our church is resourced by the generosity of its members. We don't receive synod funds. In fact, the contrary, we contribute to the synod. And so a large proportion of what we undertake financially comes from our offerings. And so I say, if you are new here, if you've recently joined here in the last period of time, then I ask you to contribute. 
If you've been contributing for a while and you haven't raised your offering, then I ask you to do so. If you're online and you're benefiting from what we contribute towards you, if you've been enriched uh, by our services being streamed to your church or to your home, then I ask you to consider. Giving is part of our discipleship. It is part of who we are as a church. You can do this by finding our details on our website or contacting our office in all, in all facets. Uh, with giving, we prefer it with electronic, just makes it safer and easier. Uh, but with service, we prefer that in person. You can't buy your way into I'm only joking. You can't buy your way into service. So we'd love you to serve and be part of what we're doing as a church. Uh, speaking of finances, we're now advertising for a finance officer to join our paid staff team. And the job description is on our webpage and available at our front counter. Let me lead you in prayer and then I'll read the scriptures. Lord, we pray that you would still our minds to hear your voice that you would open our hearts, that your word would go deep, that we'd know you more and understand you more, that your, your voice would speak in ways in which would make a difference to our life. We don't want to be the same. Transform us from the inside out, Jesus, we pray. In your name we ask. Amen. I want to read to you from two Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2, and starting at verse 4, and I encourage you to open your Bibles if you have them. From 1 Peter chapter 2, starting at verse 4, and it says this, As you come to him, the living stone rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built up into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in the scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, And the one whom trusts on him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. So here we go, verse 9 and verse 10. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possessions, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Amen. So two words today, holy nation, Loaded words, full of meaning, full of purpose, full of so much for us as the church. Let me tackle this this word holy for a moment because it means to be set apart. It means to be different, not the same. And so when it comes to God and us, we we are different in in two ways. God is holy and, and we are not holy because firstly, he is creator and we are the created being. Also, there's there's further differences. Of course, you would know this. We are fundamentally different from God. He is infinite in his wisdom, completely free, dependent upon no one, unmatched in his justice, perfect in his love and in his grace. And then, of course, there's us. We are are flawed in so many ways, imperfect in our love, 
dependent upon God for all things and we don't know how to implement justice in the right way. God, God is set apart from us. God is, is holy, different from us, set apart. We are not like God. In the same way that we are different from God, we are, we are sort of similar, different from the world. We are children of God and, and it's like the world rejects God. The world is a heart of stone, a heart that, that doesn't want to see God, doesn't want to perceive God, doesn't want to know God. Nothing to do with God. A heart that, that pushes God away and says, that I don't want your involvement in my life. But for those of us who, who love Jesus, who, who are followers of Jesus, we've, we've been given this heart of flesh, a heart that loves and obeys and, and enjoys God. And so when we accept Jesus into our life, when we decide to, to follow him, we change fundamentally, we we, we then honour him in all we do and we say. We're not like those who are around us. We don't act the same. We don't say the same things. We don't, we don't do the same things. We, we, we think and we respond differently because we follow a holy God. So let me, let me just keep, keep adding this information to you because I want to explain holiness and ourselves because, because if you are like me, and I suspect you are very much like me, then, then you realise that you are not so holy. In fact, we are far from holy. And, and, and speaking for myself, I don't always act or think or, or be holy in a lot of ways. I often go away from a conversation, I'm like, why did I say that? Or I've done something and I'm like, why did I do that? I, I, I don't want to be like that. I want to be better than that. I actually want to be like Jesus. And so this is... This is where I have good news for you. I actually have, I have great news for you because being holy is not our work. It is Jesus' work in us that makes us holy. How good is that? So when you accept Jesus as Lord of your life, when you say, Lord, I'm sorry for all that I have done in ruling my own life and, and, and I want you to rule it for me, Jesus does. But he does more than just rule your life. He, he, he doesn't just take over your house. He fundamentally changes its DNA. So let me give you an example of, of a house. The, if, if Jesus was to walk into a house and to make it holy, he, he changes the walls and the ceilings and the roof and the cabinets and the bathroom and the furniture and the, and the sink and the lawns and the garage and the backyard and the back shed and the chook house and the whole lot. You see, Jesus does the ultimate makeover in your whole being. And so in the eyes of God, you are not the same. And not only that, when, when God looks at you after you have accepted him as ruler of your life, he doesn't see you, but he sees through Jesus to you. It's like he puts his Jesus glasses on and looking at you, he sees the work of Jesus on you and the benefits of the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus applied to your life. And we become children of God. Now I said in the first service, if, if I was Pastor Mark Elford at this moment, at this exact moment, what would I be doing? Jumping up and down and running backwards and forwards across the stage. Um, 
and saying his favourite saying is, come on, folks. Come on, folks, because, because he knows and we know this is great news, isn't it? This is great news that, that nothing that we do, but God does his work in us and transforms us. Not, not renovates us, but makes us whole and new again. To sit with that for a moment. Just allow that to wash over you and think about that seismic change in your life because of Jesus' life, death and resurrection. The Bible says to us, your life is now hid with Christ in God. You no longer stand on your own merits. Thank goodness. But on the victory that Jesus won for us on the cross, it is the best news that I can proclaim and tell the church. Because the only one who judges the living and the dead now sees you through the Jesus lens. And you're free to walk into the family of God. You see, that's our ultimate state. That's Theological language, that's our theological self, uh, our ultimate reality. You're given a status that, that you did not deserve. But more than that, you didn't have enough credits to turn up at the starting gate of the race. And because of Jesus' life, death and res- resurrection, you've won. You've won. And you win the prize, the inherited in the family of God as one unnaturally born. And so Jesus does this for us in the twinkling of an eye. Once you weren't a people, now you are a people, says 1 Peter. This is the truth that we're living into. So come on, turn to the person next to you and say, how good is God? Go on, just the person next to you. Just say it once, how good is God? Good eye. So here's, here's the second part. If I give you too much time, I'll never get you back. Okay. So, so our status before God, when we accept Jesus, our status is, is one who has been transformed. And the, and the work of Jesus is applied to our life wholly, solely, beautifully made over, made new. And, and God says to us, now, now you know who you are. Live into it. Now you understand your fundamental DNA. Live out of it. Be who I called you to be. Be who I made you to be. Be who God designed you to be in the first place. Become your leg- what your legacy is. Grow into your status. Walk up to the plate. Step out in faith. Embrace your future. All those sorts of um, things can be said about it. Um, Let's be clear, this is a message for all of us. This is a message for the church together, individually, corporately. The thing is that we are both one at the same time, a holy people and growing into holiness. See if you can mind, we can wrap around that. You are holy, but you are growing into holiness. God sees you through the lens of, of Jesus and at the same time says, walk the road to be more like Jesus. Let me, let me explain it like this. It's, it's like this when I first became a parent. Some of you will remember what it was like that first day 
when your child was born, your son or your daughter was born. For me, it was my son who was born. And, and at that moment, when I first became a parent, I, I was a father. Did I have any idea what it was like to be a father? Of course not. No parent does. And I began to embark on that journey towards becoming a father. Even though I was a father, I was becoming a father. I was who I was, but I needed to learn to live into the fullness of who I was becoming. Does that make sense? You you understand that? Growing into holiness means all these things that I mentioned earlier. Because we're not the same as the world around us. And we should be different. Because we have a different DNA and fundamentally differently changed inside of us. And we walk towards that change every single day. And so we should be different. Polar opposite to what happens in the world around us. So like two weeks ago when I explained to you about that radio commentator, John Laws, who says, what good is a church anyway? It's just just another Rotary Club or a a Lions Club. Um, I knew... I knew he was wrong. Deep down the core of my being, I knew he was wrong. Why? Because we are different to society that we find ourselves in. No matter how good we are, no matter how much human service we do, unless the work of Jesus is inside of us, we remain the same. But when we have the work of Jesus inside of us, we are fundamentally different and fundamentally changed and we operate out of that. It's all on God's efforts guiding and leading and directing us. Now, this is not law. This is not you have to. This is love and grace because you want to. Because we say, God, you have been so good to us. You declare us as someone who is righteous, someone who is holy, and we want to serve you. We want to love you. We want to obey you. In fact, this is a simple way to what I understand holiness is. To me, it's growing more and more like Jesus in every aspect of my life. And while it's corny, while it's, you know, it was very early 2000s, what would Jesus do still sticks. Don't you think? It's still there. What would Jesus do in the actions that I display, in the words that I speak, in the attitudes that I bring every single moment of my life, wherever I am, whether it's in worship, in small group, or as in my work environment or my home environment? If we really believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, then we will follow his way, we will embrace his truth, and we will see him as the example of life and will follow along with it. So how do we do this? How do we become more holy every single day? How do we live into that which we already are? It is simple to say and really hard to do. I'm glad you've set aside the next four hours for me to explain it for you. We allow, here it is. We allow God to have his say in our lives, our thoughts and our actions. We allow God to have his say in our lives, our thoughts and our actions. Over and over again, the Bible calls us towards this. And over and over again, I call you towards this in the preaching that I bring to you um, over and over again. To get rid of old habits that belong to the non-holy us and take up the new. The Bible, you know, the Bible uses the illustration of taking off your old clothes and putting on your new clothes. Like get rid of that old self and embrace the new that you have. Imagine joining the police force. 
You've done all the training, all certification, the whole deal. And on the first day of work, you go, I'm not going to bother putting my uniform on. I'm just going to turn up in my normal clothes. It just wouldn't happen, wouldn't it? Like imagine someone gave you a brand new car, like a top of the line. You just imagine the best car you could ever imagine. Beautiful. Open the door and it smells like a new car. You know that lovely smell, you know? And you continue to drive your old broken down one all the time. But you wouldn't do it, would you? God is calling the church, get in the new car. Put on the new clothes. Be who you are. Walk towards it every single day. So let me let me let you into the habit of being in a place where you are constantly reminded of how to be holy. It's it's like this. Okay, it's it's really simple and really difficult. Okay, when you read the Bible, now remember, what book are we am I asking you to read? Oh, fantastic. This is great. We're going well so far. Okay, so Luke. So when we're reading the book of Luke. And we do it four times a year. We do it once in every season. We're nearly into autumn. Okay, so if you haven't read it, it's, you've got a little bit to do. So it's, it's okay, you can do it. When we read the Bible, we do not judge it. We allow it to judge us. Okay, we do not judge it. We allow it to judge us. For too long, we have examined the Bible as if it is something that we control rather than a living word that speaks to our lives. If we come to the Bible with humility in our hearts, God will use it to speak to us, to shape our lives, to grow in holiness, which means to be a little bit more every day like Jesus. And you, you, you and I, we, we know People that have done this and they've allowed over the years Jesus to speak in their lives. They've submitted themselves to the scriptures. They've allowed God's work and God's spirit to form in them. And they are beautiful people. True? They are beautiful people who remind us of Jesus. We can all be like that too. Let me just finish with just a moment, of course it says we are a holy nation. Holy nation. Notice here the Apostle Peter did not say we are a holy person. doesn't say here we are a holy individual. doesn't say we are a holy single. He uses the word nation. It is a very big inclusive word. In case you missed it, nation means more than one, more than a small collection, more than just your family. Western Christianity, though, has taken the plural out and replaced it with singular. And we've made our faith about ourselves and us alone. That is not what is being represented here. When we're talking about the church, we're talking about all of us together collectively. Do you know football teams get this? What's the crow's catch cry? I can't, can't believe I'm saying this. What's the crow's catch cry? We, we fly as one. Okay? Collective, isn't it? And, and what's, what does the other team say? <laughs> it's, it's so good I've got the microphone at this moment. Okay, so we fly as one is one, what one team says and the other team says never tear us apart. 
How come football teams get to understand that we need to be together to be strong and the church misses it? Individualism hurts and harms who we are as a church. Collectively, as a nation, together is God's design for us. Plural, all of us. There are no lone Christians. The church is us, the collection of God's people together. God's calling of us to be a holy nation, set apart, holiness, emulating who God is, following in the path of Jesus, living as he has designed us to be, as he's called us to be, as he names us to be through the life, death and resurrection of Jesus, living like that, filling into the fullness of what God wants us to be. Let me pray and then we'll pick this up again next week. Father, we thank you for the way in which you speak into our lives, for the blessing that comes from knowing you. And we pray, Lord Jesus, that we would understand fully what it is to be holy and how you are holy. We, we thank you that you are set apart, that you are above all, that you are the only right and true judge of the living and the dead. And your, your judgment is perfect. And as we grow into what you're calling us to be, a holy nation, a holy church, may we have the courage to walk through and into that every single moment. May, Lord, we get rid of those things that are unholy in our lives. Attitudes, thoughts, words, um, spending, our internet viewing, our TV viewing, um, the way in which we, we mix with other company, Lord. Purge that from us. Make us more like Jesus. Erupt in us by your Holy Spirit. Pour your Spirit out upon us that we would know clearly when we're out of step with you. Lord Jesus, do your work in us, all of us. And may we be a holy church set apart for your work, changing, bringing change, being restored and made new. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thanks for listening to the Seeds Church podcast. We hope you join in with us next week. For more information, you can visit our website at seedschurch.org.